the garden. I think the problem is a lot of people like know that that's going on. They just doubt it because they don't want to believe that the person that they're in love with is capable of spying on them to such a degree where they have absolutely no privacy whatsoever. This is Anna. It's not her real name, but the one she wanted to use when she told us about her experience. Anna recently told her story to Charlotte G, a reporter for the MIT Technology Review. I was investigating something called stalkerware, which are basically apps which allow people to spy on other people's phones. They're basically the same thing as spyware. It's another word that's used for them, spouseware. Essentially, they're malware which you can install on someone's phone, which allows you to spy on everything that they're doing. Spyware, or stalkerware apps, can often go undetected by victims. But once downloaded, the person who sent it now has access to everything on your smartphone. This is an aggressive form of surveillance, but not a lot is being done to stop it. And many people don't even know these apps exist. Not a single person I've spoken to about this issue who doesn't work in technology is aware that it exists. So it's something that people find quite shocking, quite scary. I've had a couple of female friends who date say, can you actually check my phone to make sure I haven't got any of this on there? So it is, it's definitely something people are not aware about. Victims like Anna, of course, are very aware of their existence. Stalkerware apps can change a person's life forever. I don't want to, like, scare people because it is possible to come back from an experience like this, but I haven't been in a relationship for over three years just because I can't bring myself to, like, deal with this again, you know? I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and this week we look at the damage stalkerware apps can do to a person's life and discuss what individuals and big tech companies can do to better protect potential victims of this kind of abuse. This is Chips With Everything. They met through online dating like a lot of people these days. He was so charming. I just fell head over heels in love with him. And I, I was actually quite taken aback at how quickly he installed this on her device. He'd installed it on her device within a couple of months of them dating. And that is not something that I would ever think in a million years that he would do. I trusted him wholeheartedly, and I felt that he did too. The point when she got suspicious was when, basically, this man referred to something that she'd had uh, been talking to someone else about in a private conversation on Facebook Messenger. And I was like, wait, how did you know that? I've never told you that before. We've never had a conversation about this. Like, how did you know? Anna had her suspicions, but she wasn't certain. So she figured out a way to investigate her theory. So I started testing him and telling him that I was certain places when I was really other places with my phone. And for some reason, like whenever I got back home, he was like, where were you? Where were you really? And I was like, why are you asking? You know, like, do you think I went somewhere else? And he would never really respond to that. That was proof enough. The next question was, how was he able to track her like this? 
she started to think about some of the messages they'd exchanged back when they first started dating. One of the things when we first got off the dating app because we wanted to chat more was that he sent me a text message with a picture, but the font and the lettering and the picture was so small. And I was very much into him and I wanted to date him and and all of that. I really wanted to read what was on the picture. And so I clicked on the picture and all of a sudden something started downloading onto my phone. And I'm like, wow, I have never had this experience before, but I just kind of wrote it off like you would never do anything like that. So I just completely shoved it out of my mind. So when you did realize what was actually happening, how did you feel? I guess you could say I was in denial for quite some time. And I think that when it finally hit me that his surveillance and invasion of my privacy escalated over time, I felt sick to my stomach because I'd realized that my tendency to believe the best in people got the best in me because I let it spiral out of control to a point where now I was living with him under constant surveillance. And uh, it was a life altering moment. So when you had this evidence that he was doing this to you, what did you do next? Did you confront him? Yes, I actually did confront him. And it was from that moment when I confronted him that basically the relationship went downhill fast. And so I highly recommend that people that are in similar situations, that if they have conclusive evidence that that is going on, that they've violated your privacy to that degree, I highly recommend making an exit strategy, not even confronting them and moving on with your life. And as soon as she felt that she could, that is what Anna did. After all of that, I made a plan to get out and I had to be strategic with it as far as, you know, I was using the internet that he monitored. I was on his network, so we monitored all the sites I visited. Anna wondered whether or not to go to the authorities and she did seek advice from people in the hacker community. But when she weighed up the potential outcomes, she decided against it. My partner had a lot of funding. I did not have funding. He had family members that were lawyers. I did not. And um, I just felt that the legal hassle and all of the legal fees involved with pursuing this would not be worth it Mm. and would probably bankrupt me. She also attempted to get the spyware removed from her phone, but that can be difficult when someone is watching your every move. So, after more than two years of dealing with this, in the end, she took the nuclear option. I just wanted to get it over with, so I ended up buying a new phone and buying new computers, and then I coordinated all of that with leaving at the same time and moving. It has been a few years since Anna left her partner, and with that, her old life. Since then, her relationship with technology has completely changed. I have changed the way that I interact with my devices. Instead of having one email address that's the end-all be-all that catches everything, I have multiple layers of email addresses to filter data and to store it in different locations. And I'm definitely 
more careful on what I click on. And I'd say after the experience, it's not so much the devices that I'm questioning. It's more the people in my life. Because if my partner that I was going to marry is capable of doing that, then it's kind of like, how else am I being social engineered by people that are attempting to come into my life? So I question other people and everything that they send me, I double check that it's not phishing or dropping malware or something. In spite of everything that happened to her, however, Anna has found a way to use her experience to help others. So I changed careers and I now work in the cybersecurity space. So what I'm doing now is I attempt to inform anyone that will listen about stuff like that that happens and that it's actually a serious issue that other security practitioners should pay attention to. I had to look up stuff to protect myself and so I just kept going down the cybersecurity rabbit hole and here I am today. After the break, we hear more about what experts say big tech should be doing to stop the proliferation of these kinds of apps. Technology plays a role in 95% of all domestic violence cases. So this is an issue that is not just coming down the line but we're facing right now. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. This week, we're looking at spyware apps, or as they're sometimes called, stalkerware. Before the break, we heard from a woman whose partner had used one of these kinds of malware apps to track every move she made with her smartphone for two years. She first told her story to Charlotte G of MIT Technology Review. Charlotte also spoke to experts who explained why this is a tricky problem to solve. We don't know a huge amount about stalkware, to be honest with you. It's quite surprising how few studies have been done into it. So we don't really know the scale. But we know that we're talking about at least in the hundreds of thousands of people that have, have been affected by this. Charlotte says that despite the lack of information out there, security companies are getting active in trying to tackle the problem. One company that's been quite good in this area is Kaspersky. I think they were the first antivirus company to basically say, we are going to specifically look for stalkerware and block it on our platform. And now most of the security companies seem to have kind of fallen in line and are doing the same. So this is definitely an issue that, that things are moving on. I, I have to say, there's no way we can talk about this without um, mentioning a woman called Eva Galperin, who works for the Electronic Frontier Foundation in the US, because she has basically single-handedly wrestled this issue into the public eye after a good friend of hers experienced this firsthand. And I did what any reasonable person would do when they're catastrophically angry, uh, which was I tweeted. I thought that this was no big deal. I thought that maybe I would hear from like one or two people, maybe half a dozen people. I was wrong. Um, so uh, 9,400 retweets later, I appear to have accidentally started a project and I'm spending all of my time... So 
basically we have we have her to thank for really forcing us to talk about this issue so thank you Eva In her article, Charlotte wrote, Plenty of these apps can be downloaded from Google's Play Store and Apple's App Store. Less than two weeks later, Google announced they had taken some action on the matter. So basically, Google has got rid of seven different apps um, from the Play Store, which were stalkerware apps. Although the thing to say is that they, they did that because researchers at a cybersecurity company had alerted them to it. So it's not the case that Google had been going out and looking for these apps. They'd just been told to, and then they got rid of them. When we reached out to Google to comment on this story, a spokesperson said, All apps on Google Play are required to follow our developer policies, which prohibit, among other things, apps that steal data, secretly monitor users, or are otherwise malicious. While we don't comment on specific apps, we remove applications that violate our policies. Apple had a similar response. A spokesperson commented, On the App Store, we have strict rules against any spyware stalker apps and have worked hard to eliminate these apps from making their way to users' devices. This is something we take very seriously and if we learn that any apps are spying on users without permission, we take swift action to remove them. But experts have suggested that both companies could do more. What I think certain experts have called for is basically for them to have a a team which proactively hunts for stalkerware and for this sort of stuff. One thing that complicates this, though, is that you can get things like parental control apps, Mm. which present as being perhaps for a legitimate purpose. But it does mean that you can repurpose these apps for for spying on a partner. Now, that starts to get a bit complicated because your partner could potentially even consent to that. Mm. I mean, is that real consent? I don't know, but basically this issue can get quite grey quite quickly. So as you alluded to there, there are ways other than these stalkerware apps of doing this kind of thing. So it's part of a larger problem. Can you tell us more about how advances in technology provide abusers with new methods of tracking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's worth pointing out that Refuge, the domestic violence charity, found that technology plays a role in 95% of all domestic violence cases. So this is an issue that is not just coming down the line, but we're facing right now. There might be some fairly innocuous things like apps which allow you to, to share your location, which a woman and a man have agreed to do. But one of those partners, if they're abusive, may have severely pressurised that person to do that and use it as a tool of coercive control. And even more sort of out there, when you look at things like the smart home, there have even been cases taken to court where partners have locked their other partner out of rooms of the house, taking control over the lighting, the heating. And so you basically have the potential for someone to create a bit of a prison for someone, and it's all enabled by modern technology. This is what can happen when big tech is used to perpetuate domestic violence. But there are people out there with suggestions for how to fix this problem. There was a suggestion from someone I interviewed from Cornell University who's been studying this, that perhaps what we need is a checklist for developers who are making apps or maintaining existing apps, which says, how could your app be repurposed for abusive purposes? Mm. So it's not necessarily to say that therefore you can't make this app, but you need to think, how else could someone use this and potentially build in some roadblocks along the way to ensure, you know, if, if this is using someone's camera, just make sure that you're telling them that and that they know that. The tech industry is doing things about this, It's not oblivious. I don't think Apple and Google actively don't like women and therefore want to spy on them. (laughs) I just think, unfortunately, too often it's a blind spot 
and we need to just bring it into people's view, basically. If you think you might have malware on your phone, Charlotte has several suggestions for what you can do. Firstly, they should download antivirus software and they should run a scan, ideally on all their devices. They should make sure that they use a fingerprint or a passcode for every device. They should regularly review which apps they've downloaded to make sure that they all look legitimate and like something they have actually downloaded. And finally, they should really carefully look at their security and notification settings. And it's easy peasy to do that. You can go into your phone, type security, and you'll get there. If there was anything you could say to people who might be going through what you went through right now, what would it be? I'd say just hang in there. People are working on it. There are researchers looking at it. There are people that care. Um, You're not crazy. And like I said, worst case scenario, just reset your devices to factory settings and uh, change all your passwords. Use 2FA on everything and definitely be careful what you click on. Just know that anything that you shared with them can and will be used against you. Huge thanks to Anna for telling us her story and to Charlotte G for talking to us for this week's show. There will be a link to Charlotte's original article on The Guardian website. If you've been affected by anything we talked about in this show, then for confidential support in the UK, you can call the 24-hour National Domestic Violence Free Phone Helpline on 0808 247 or visit womansaid.co.uk. In Australia, the National Family Violence Counselling Service is on 1800 737 732. In the US, the domestic violence hotline is 1800 799 SAFE. That's 1800 799 7233. Other international helplines can be found at www.befrienders.org. Chips is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com/podcasts.